Now let's turn in God's Word, and we're turning to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 25. And you should read through this chapter sometime. It's all about the building of the tabernacle. As I said this morning, God starts with the furniture. It's like you sitting down to design a house. You've got your sight there in mind. And then you're sitting down with a pen and a bit of paper and saying, this is the furniture I want in my house. And then you build the house to suit the furniture. Because you've already got the furniture picked. Well, God starts with the furniture. And we'll see that. Um, If you come with me to Exodus chapter 25 and verse 23. And we'll read down to the verse 30. Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the borders shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shit and wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal, of pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me also. Now turn with me to the book of Leviticus now. Leviticus chapter 24, and we'll just read a few verses that tie into the context. Leviticus chapter 24. (coughs) And look at verse 5. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5. And thou shalt take fine flour and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenth deals shall be in one cake. And thou shalt set them in two rows, six on a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. And thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial, even an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, 
and they shall eat it in the holy place. For it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us these readings from the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text tonight is really taken from Exodus chapter 25, verses 23 to 30. And my subject this evening is lessons from the table of showbread. Over there in the book of Exodus chapter 25, we read in the verse 30, And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. You see, as the Old Testament priest stepped inside the door of the holy place of the tabernacle, he would see immediately three items of furniture. To his left is the golden candlestick that we call the menorah. That's a sermon all by itself. In fact, there's a golden menorah uh, outside the old city of Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, we took a picture of it when we were there in Israel uh, this summer. And of course it's there uh, because the Jews believe that in the will of God that the temple will be rebuilt in uh, a time to come. And they want it for the temple. Uh, to the right, uh, as the priest would have stepped inside the door of the holy place, he would have saw the table of showbread. And in the center was the altar of incense. Now this table of showbread, I believe, is a wonderful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ and fellowship with God. Now let's remember that the church is called unto fellowship with God. Think of way back in the beginning of the world. God, when he made Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden. We read in the Bible that um, Adam heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And you can think of Adam's daily pattern of meeting with the Lord in fellowship, of walking with God, of talking with the Lord. This fellowship, sadly, was destroyed by sin. Think of Adam and Eve. Now, instead of hearing from God and having fellowship with God, hiding from God. You see, sin's a barrier. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 59 that the arm of the Lord is not shortened that he cannot save. And his ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Fellowship is destroyed by sin. Sin is a barrier to fellowship with God. But the great message of the Bible is this, that fellowship with God can be restored by the work of a loving, redeeming Saviour. Remember the message to the church of Laodicea, uh, the last church in the series of seven, uh, I believe a picture and an emblem of really the church in the last day, uh, a church in our day and generation, and we should think about that. Again, that's a sermon all by itself. We read there, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. And will sup with him, and he with me. Now as we think about supping with Christ, I want you to think with me about the table of showbread tonight. And there's three things that I want to set before you. First of all, I want you to think of the consideration of the table. 
You see, the table speaks to us about fellowship with God. The Lord desires to hold communion and fellowship with his people. That is, to have them nearby, to have them feeding at his table, to have them enjoying all that he is and all that he has for us in Christ. Doesn't the Bible say, uh, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were afar off, are made nigh. By the blood of Christ, Ephesians 2 and 13. And again we read in uh, John's Gospel, uh, sorry, the Epistle of John in 1 John uh, chapter 1. Uh, an amazing statement there in the verse 5. He says, um, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing it is to have fellowship with God the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And of course, that fellowship is in the condition of walking in the light, uh, and as we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And you see, when you think about the table, the table's a place of communion, a place of fellowship. You meet an old friend down in Belfast or some other place, and you'll say, let's go for a coffee, and let's have a chat. Then you find some place uh, where there's a table, maybe of stone or wood or whatever. You could go into some cafe and you could have lunch. And around that table, you have communion and you have fellowship. And that's true in our homes when we gather around the table for a meal. Uh, we not only partake of food, we just don't sit there and eat in silence. Uh, as we eat and having digested, then we talk and have discussion. And on that basis, we have fellowship. And that's true of the table of showbread. The table of showbread, the meaning of it, this is what we're to consider and think about. It's, it's a table where we can have fellowship and communion with God. Let me ask the question tonight. Are you in fellowship with the Lord? Are you in a right relationship with him? Do you, do you know him as Lord and Savior? Have you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you really born of the Spirit? Can you say that I'm truly saved because there was a day when I recognized that I was a sinner and I repented of my sin? I received the Savior. Remember the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them give he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. And because you're a child of God, you now have a right to the table. And, and uh, having a right to the table, you can have fellowship. Really, really, we should be asking the question, having been redeemed from sin, <coughs> and having been taken out of this evil society, and brought into a relationship with Christ. We have unhindered access to God. And thereby we have fellowship and communion. Remember the Savior sent out the invitation. The invitation was to come and to dine. And think again of uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman... Hear my voice and open the door. What's the promise? I will come into him and will sup with him. That is, have fellowship and he 
with me. So there's the consideration of the table. And you alone can answer that question. Are you in a place of fellowship and communion with the Lord because you're in a right relationship with the Lord because you're saved? Notice secondly, the construction of the table. If we go back to Exodus chapter 25 and start looking with me from the verse 23, notice the substance of the table, what it's made of. It says, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood, two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and we'll stop there. It's made up of, of shittim wood, which is a form of cassia wood. It's really a, a sort of an incorruptible wood, a wood that lasts a long, 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 long time. And wood in the Bible is a symbol of the humanity of Christ. And of course it's incorruptible uh, wood, uh, there, wood that doesn't rot easily, uh, a wood that's hard. Uh, that, that's a picture of Christ in his sinless humanity. Christ was born without sin. And notice this wood. So this was to be overlaid by pure gold. Isn't that what it says? And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. Verse 24. And gold in the Bible is a symbol of the deity of Christ. And there's a reference to the nature of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and his humanity and deity. And bring the two together and you've got the God man. And we've said before Jesus Christ is not just a great man and a good man. But he's the God man. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. And as we think of Christmas time coming up, let's always remember that the babe at Bethlehem was God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ was a real true man, even though he was 100% truly God. And if Jesus Christ hadn't become man, fellowship with God would have been impossible. And the table therefore reminds us of God's preparation for man's basic need. Fellowship with God is only possible when God the Son came down to this earth and took our humanity and suffered for our sins in the tree. Think of these two materials. They, they speak of a twofold <coughs> fellowship with God. There's a present fellowship. Think of the wood of the earth. And there is a future fellowship. You see, there's a fellowship of suffering now over here in um, 2 Timothy and in chapter 2 and in the verse 12 we um, read the words, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he, will, he also will deny us. And we link it up, if we suffer, uh, with uh, the, the words that... Um, the uh, Paul mentioned to the Philippians uh, whenever he prayed that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. See, that's what Timothy thought about. A present fellowship. Fellowship of his sufferings. And a future fellowship because the Bible speaks about uh, a fellowship of glory that's yet to come. And isn't this what Paul emphasized in the book of Romans? In Romans chapter 8 and in the verse uh, 17 uh, when he, he, he said um, if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we may suffer with him together we may be also glorified together. There's the fellowship of glory to come 
And that's the substance of the table. Notice also here the size of the table. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. A cubits are roughly about 18 inches. But you see, the measurement contains the idea of restriction. It was restricted to a certain size. And isn't it interesting when we link it up with Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 9? Only the priestly family could use the table. The bread and the table could only be eaten by the priest. Everybody else was excluded. The provision was only for the priest. We have to say tonight that the Old Testament priesthood has been done away with. And yet every New Testament believer is part of a royal priesthood. We're made kings and priests unto God. Uh, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. We are priests unto the Lord. And we can come to the table. I just want to emphasize the Lord's table is not for the unsaved or unconverted. Many sit in churches today. They receive the Lord's Supper and yet they deny Christ. They deny him with their lip. They say they don't believe in him. He's certainly not their Lord and Savior. They deny him by their life because they live in sin. And sadly, they're eating and drinking damnation to themselves. It's interesting that Leviticus chapter 22 and 2 to 4, even the priests carefully had to examine themselves before they come and took of the bread of the table. If they were defiled in any way, they could not partake. And that's why the Bible exhorts us, of course, in Corinthians chapter 10 or 11, to examine ourselves. If there's sin in our heart, then we've got to confess it to God. We drag it out into the open. We put all defilements under the blood that we may continue in fellowship with God and with his Son and with one another. Think also of the setting around it. It says in verse 24, And make thereto a crown of gold round about it. They shall make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about it. They shall make a golden crown to the border thereof round about it. You see, there's a twofold crown in this table all the way round. This twofold crown, of course, reminds us of the true crowns that Jesus wore. The crown of thorns. Again, you have to think about his suffering. And then a crown of glory. That he wears now. You see, at the top of the table, there was a border that was made of pure gold, and it was in the shape of a crown or, or a series of crowns. And underneath the, the, the table, again at the top, there was another border, and it was also a border of crowns, and it was lovely ornamental work. And you see, the purpose of the crowns was protective. The first crown held the bread in place so that it couldn't fall off. The second border held in place the utensils so they couldn't be lost. Where did I put that spoon? Oh, it's there. It's hanging on the crown. See, that's the picture. And the crowns speak not only of protection, but they speak of power. The crowns are made of pure gold, and all power belongeth unto God. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. And Christ 
uh, is the bread of life. He's called in John 6 and 35, the bread of life. Think of the bread, a picture of Christ. And in Christ, we're kept by the power of God. And it's God that keeps us from falling uh, and keeps us um, uh, from, from uh, apostasy. We're, we're secure in Christ. And of course, there are times when we do fall. Yet we're not utterly cast down. We're not utterly cast away. We're not cast off because we're secure in Christ. And the second crown had kept the utensils in place. And God can keep us in our place. So that we never can be lost. Our place in Christ. Our place in the church. Think of these utensils that were there. They were useful. They were always there in the place of service. And, and there's a wonderful application there as far as the church is concerned. This is the place where God wants me to be. And I can be useful here, Lord. And I can fulfill a role of service here. See, in Christ we're eternally secure. In Christ we're can enjoy effective service. The setting around it. Notice quickly, the staves through it. In verses 26 and right through to verse 28, it mentions four rings of gold in the four corners and the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table, and thou shalt make the staves of shit and wood that overlay them with gold, that the table may be borne with them. Now notice, you see, this table wasn't like our tables in our homes. Our tables in our homes and our dining room are probably stationary. You won't take them out of the dining room and try to fit them into the kitchen. You see, most times tables are not meant to be moved. They're just meant to be put in the room that was designed for them. But the table of showbread was different. There was four rings for the staves. There was these staves or poles. And the table was movable. The table was portable. And the table went everywhere with the children of Israel. And where the children of Israel went, the table went. Now, now think of Christ, the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. And yet he's always present with his people. Hasn't he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Remember he says to his disciples, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. And we could say, but Lord, I fail you in so many areas. Lord, I'm prone to forget you. Lord, there's days I don't talk to you. Lord, there's, there's days I don't listen to your word. Lord, there's times I forsake you. And you know, every time he comes in love and grace and mercy and says, I oh, know. But I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I, I, I won't abandon you because you're mine. Isn't it wonderful to know by way of comfort that Jesus Christ is ever with us? And Jesus Christ daily feeds us and nourishes us with the living bread. There's the consideration of the table. What, what does the table of showbread mean when you read about it in the Bible? It means fellowship with God. And God has made that provision for fellowship through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the construction of it. The, the substance for that uh, construction. We, we, we thought about the size. There's a restriction in this table. The setting around it. The crowns that speak of protection and power. And the staves through it to carry it. Christ is ever with us. Now notice one final thing. The cakes on the table. Look at verse 30. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread. 
before me always. Now keep that word showbread in your mind. And then turn over to our other reading, Leviticus chapter 24. Because the word showbread means bread of the face or bread of the presence. And I want you to think of bread being continually set before the presence or the face of Jehovah. Now look at Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 5. And thou shalt take fine flour, we'll come back to that, and bake twelve cakes thereof. Two tenth deals shall be in one cake. Notice twelve cakes were to be baked. And they were to be set side by side in two rows of six. Verse 6, And thou shalt set them in two rows, six in a row, upon the pure table before the Lord. In other words, they weren't to be piled up like pancakes. They were to be set individually, six in a row, by one side of the table, and six on the other side. And they were the bread of the presence. And you only have to think of the twelve tribes of Israel. Twelve tribes of Israel to this day before God's face. Twelve tribes of Israel in God's presence continually. And then lifted up into the New Testament realm. Every believer continually in the presence of God and under the eye of God. Wherever before God's presence, thou God seest me. God is watching us. The eyes of the Lord are upon us continually. We could also think of it in another way. Christ, the bread of life, now appears in the presence of God for us. And either way, there's a great comfort for our souls. We've got a twofold comfort here. We're always in his presence. Now God seest me. His eyes are upon us. And that's a comfort, isn't it? But when Marianne goes to New York, if she remembers that, Now God seest me. The eyes of God are watching me. That's a comfort. But it's also a challenge. Because if God is watching us, then we need to be careful what we do, where we go, what we say. And of course, there's another comfort. Christ is in heaven, in the presence of God for us, praying for us. So there's no need to worry. There's no need to fear. We can put things under the hand of the Lord. You see the bread here, the show bread, the 12 cakes, they remind us of Jesus Christ. I, I looked up this evening. The word bread is mentioned in the authorised version 410 times. Now that's a lot of times. And we'll think about this as we finish. I want to be brief tonight. Bread is associated with sin. The first reference to bread is in Genesis 3 and 19. Whenever Adam and Eve disobeyed God... Sin came into the world. Death by sin. The, the, the ground was cursed. And God said to Adam, Thou shalt eat thy bread in the sweat of thy brow. Man was duty bound for hard work and labor. The bread is associated with sin. How many times do we think that? Eating thy bread. Sweat of thy brow. Hard labor. The bread is associated with sadness. The Bible talks about Psalm 80 verse 5 about eating the bread of tears. 
And the Bible talks again in Psalm 127 of the bread of sorrows. And isn't that a picture of life? The troubles of life? The battles? Times that we're not able to cope? And uh, we're often downcast and we're often discouraged and we don't always go about with a big wide grin. Uh, um, You know, sometimes it's portrayed like that. Uh, but, But we don't. Why? Because life is full of trials and troubles. And bread in the Bible, amazingly, is associated with sadness as well. Bread in the Bible is also associated with strength. Psalm 104 verse 15 talks about bread that strengthens men's hearts. And Jesus Christ is the one who gives us strength. He's the one that sustains And suckers his people. Bread, of course, that we eat strengthens the body physically. Psalm 105 and verse 40 says, Satisfy them with the bread of heaven. God did that for the children of Israel for 40 years with the manna. That's what it was telling us there. But satisfying us with the bread of heaven, that's a picture of Jesus Christ. Notice also very quickly the bread's associated with the Sabbath. It says in Leviticus chapter 24, in in the verse 8, Every Sabbath he shall set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. See, it was to be replaced every Lord's day. Two rows of six. And that's a good pattern. That was God's way. And you see, you know, when we come to God's house on a Sunday, morning and evening, we're not coming here to put in an hour. We're not coming here to write a letter. We're not coming here to certainly make phone calls or send text messages. We're coming to to put our our house in order in a spiritual sense. We're certainly not coming to sleep. We're not coming to do other work. We're coming to feast on the bread of life. Because the bread was to be replaced on the Sabbath. And it's my job to try and provide some fresh bread for you. And how many times people come out of church and say, well, you know, get nothing out of that this morning. And that may be the case, and that's very sad. And if I haven't fresh bread for you, then that's an indictment on me, and you can say that to me, and I I mean that sincerely. But let's swing it round another way. For those that say I get nothing out of it, what's their own spiritual appetite like? Have they had spiritual sickness? When you smell fresh bread, there's, a, there's a, almost a, a thought of hunger pangs rise up in you. And you want some of that bread. Of course, you come to God's house. I encourage you to, to pay attention as you can. To get a word from God. To go out saying, I've got a message from the Lord. And, and you see, the bread's associated with the Sabbath. One final thing. The bread's associated with the Saviour. Didn't he say, I am the bread of life. The true bread that cometh down from heaven. John 6 and 33. John 6 and 35. Let's just wrap this up and look at Leviticus 24 as we finish. Look at verse 5. And thou shalt take fine flour. Fine flour is soft, white, pure flour. It's not rough. Not uneven. And how do you get fine flour? It comes from the grinding of the grain of the wheat. Also, there's no mention here of leaven. Leaven in the Bible speaks of sin. There's the absence of leaven from these cakes. And of course that ties into the sinlessness of Jesus Christ. 
And also, this bread was to be baked in an oven. The fine flour could not be eaten unless it was cooked. When the loaves were measured out, they were baked by fire. And there's the picture. Christ in his superfect humanity went through the fire of suffering, through the fire of shame on the cross of Calvary, in order for us to be saved. Here he is, ground in the middle of suffering. The holy, pure life of Christ crushed by divine judgment at Calvary. He was then brought through the fire of judgment and baked in the oven of the wrath of God. The Hebrew word for cakes here means pierced or perforated. And Christ was pierced. Think of the nails. Think of the sword of God's justice when he experienced God's fiery wrath into his side. And notice, did you notice the mention of frankincense? Thou shalt put pure frankincense upon each row that it may be in the bread for a memorial. For an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Frankincense is a sweet smell. It's a lovely fragrance. And what sweetness Jesus Christ ought to bring to each life. If you're saved and renewed by the Holy Spirit. You're regenerated by the Spirit of God. Give the sweetness of his presence. Isn't it so sad to lose the sweetness of Christ. And not a fellowship with the Saviour. Not delight in the Saviour, but, but the whole thing's a drudgery. I can't wait till it's finished. Or someone putting their hands in their pockets and saying, Boys, I'm glad when that's over. And they can't get, wait to get away from church. And they can't wait to get away from Christ. And, and you see, that's an indication that someone has lost the sweetness for Christ. And, and how do we avoid that? By feeding on Christ. Let me just finish. This table was not cluttered. The only thing on that table was bread. There was no side dishes, no fancy food, just bread. And what's on this table? You have two emblems of Christ. The bread of life. We could think of Christ. The word of God. He's called the word of God. The word written, the word incarnate. You see, Christ is all that we need. All we need for our nourishment and strength is Christ with no added provision. Nothing else. And in fact it mentions here two tenth deals shall be in one cake. Isn't that interesting? One tenth of a deal was for the manna that they were to gather every day. And here's a double portion for each cake on the Sabbath. Christ is more than we need. Christ is all that we need. And oh, that we could see that this bread was changed Sabbath by Sabbath. And there's a feeding on this bread that's laid out on the table. And we take it by faith to our hearts. The cakes on the table. It speaks of bread. And bread is associated with these things. But primarily, it's associated with with the Saviour. Can you partake of that bread? Because of the sweetness of Christ to your soul. May the Lord bless these few thoughts to your hearts this evening.